hi guys welcome back um yeah so i haven't been posting much because of exams and stuff so uh, but anyway welcome back to the third episode of my second series so for this episode um i'll be talking about tunisia radicalization and terrorism in tunisia this will probably be like a short um a short uh series of uh, North African countries um, yeah, and we'll start with Tunisia so um, Tunisia has basically the highest number of terrorists who join ISIS per capita so there are um, around 7,000 Tunisians who have joined ISIS so far which is the highest um, when you compare it to other countries yeah um, there are quite a few terrorist attacks um, in Tunisia, but I'll just list um, a few that have uh, that a few that took place in the last five years or so. Yeah, so the first one is uh, the Bardo National Museum attack. This happened on March 18, 2015. So basically, it was about um, a group of terrorists. Um, three terrorists who actually sh um, started attacking this museum in, a, if I'm not wrong, it was in in the capital city of Tunisia. So basically, they were armed with rifles and hand grenades, and they just started shooting at the tourists who were at the museum at that time. And then they went on to take the tourists hostage for three hours at the museum. Um, and before the security forces stormed in to save the hostages. In the end, um, around 20 tourists were killed and one policeman was also killed along with them, as well as the two of the perpetrators. The two perpetrators who were killed um, were Yassin Labidi and Saber Kashnawi. These two terrorists were previously trained in Libya. Yeah, and um, the third terrorist was actually got away with that. Yeah, and he's still on the run until now. And yeah, and ISIS claimed responsibility for the attack. So and then the second one is the second one also took place in 2015 um roughly roughly 3 months after the Bado National Museum attack so this took place in um in in the tourist resort at Port El Cantoy so um this um region i suppose um, was popular among tourists also and it was uh, it was done by this um, rescue Yakubi um, so he acted as a tourist at first before taking out um, a Kalashnikov um, assault rifle which was concealed in a beach umbrella I don't know how he did that but yeah um, and then he started shooting basically um, at the tourists who were on the beach 
and um, a hotel nearby. 38 people were killed and 30 of them were British tourists. Um, yeah, and basically, um, basically this guy, um, he didn't, he didn't act under ISIS, but he was, he was thought to have been recruited by Ashnad Al-Khilafa, Al um, which was a group, a Tunisian branch of Ansar al-Sharia. This group was founded by by a Tunisian who had been living in the UK, I mean, who had lived in the UK in the 1990s, uh, whose name is Saifala Ben Hassin. Ben Hassin was actually reported to have been killed by the by a US attack um, in eastern Libya in 2015. Yeah, but um, it's still unknown whether he. He is um, really dead or he's still alive. And there was another attack in 2015, in, no in November 2015. So basically, um, a suicide bomber, um, a suicide bomber, basically this suicide bomber targeted a bus carrying Tunisian residential guards. Yeah, quite interesting. Um, and I don't know why he targeted the guards, but basically what happened was that um, the bus was parked at a place where the guard members were usually picked up, picked up and dropped off. Yeah, and he detonated himself there. And yeah, he was killed, but um, no one um no guards were killed yeah because of the bombing yeah okay now now we'll get to the radicalization part in tunisia so um as we all know tunisia is is a country in north africa that also experienced um or was also affected by the arab spring the Arab Spring, which um, took place in 2011, what happened was that um, a dictator um, who has been ruling um, Tunisia for decades, um, Ben Ali, was taken down in 2011. So this, this marked the start of democracy in Tunisia. And actually, Tunisia is the only country in the Arab Spring that has truly taken a democratic path. So, when people when people think of Tunisia, um, they don't they don't think of it as um as a very unstable country, as a war 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 torn country. I don't think so. But people people think of Tunisia as you know as a one of the I guess most stable countries, um, in the region in North Africa. Yeah, but, um, but basically, um, you know, there have been discussions whether, whether this, um, this event, the Arab Spring, and 
um, democracy in Tunisia, whether it actually um, affected or had an impact on um, terrorism and radicalization in Tunisia. So many res- researchers have actually stressed the link between um, authoritarianism and radicalization in the Middle East and North Africa. They argue that authoritarian um, regime fuels violent extremism and rec- and they recommend support for democratic transitions as a step to prevent this um, extremism. But as we can see here, despite the fall of authoritarian regime in Tunisia, um, it did not stop the rise of radical Islam in the country. Um, the reason for this is because radicalization was already taking place even during um, Ben Ali regime. It was basically happening in prisons. Yeah. So one, if you guys still remember, one name I mentioned just now was Seva Ben Hassin, um, a, a preacher who had lived in the UK in the 1990s. Yeah, what happened was that he was imprisoned in Tunisia in, tos- in 2003, but um, he was released after being granted amnesty in, in, to- in 2011. And, you know, as, as what I've mentioned just now, he, he, fled, to the, he fled to Libya. Yeah. Um, um, the fall of the regime, the Ben Ali regime, has also led to the consolidation of areas of limited statehood on um, areas neglected by the state. Yeah. So there are um, certain areas, in, for example, um, in the inland, inland regions where there wasn't really a lot of um, government control and this was um, you know exploited by Ben Hassin he took advantage of of this by establishing a group a terrorist group um, in 2011 so what happened was that he by using this group he engaged in vigilantism social mediation and conflict resolution which allowed um, Ben Hassin and his group to um, have an influence in these regions. As a result, um, his group managed to recruit a lot of members from these inland regions as well as the suburbs of Tunis. Tunis is the capital city of Tunisia. Um, they were able to gain as high as 50,000 supporters. Yeah, that's a large number. Another thing I would like to discuss is the, again, there was a, is the 2011 and um, 2013 period. So, in these two years, or maybe around three years, 2011, 2012, and 2013, um, Tunisia was led by an Islamic government. And this um, provided a favorable political climate for radicalization, 
because they turn a blind a blind eye towards indoctrination campaigns in jails and mosques. So during this period, mosques witnessed occupy occupy mosques campaigns in which moderate imams were forced to step to step down and were replaced by Salafi jihadist imams selected by Anshar al-Sharia. At the same time, Ansar al-Sharia was able to do this because they were given broad leeway. They were able to engage in dakwah, which is religious proselytization. I botched that, but anyway. And basically, they provided social services to local communities. So like, like what I mentioned just now, they they provided um or rather they engaged in vigilantism, um social mediation and conflict resolution and and um they were, these were all tolerated by the political parties, some of the political parties, such as Anada and Ataria. And yeah, basically because of this freedom um granted to to um, Ansar al-Sharia um, they became a space for jihadists um, to hold meetings and distribute flyers and booklets and it became a major public recruitment channel for the jihadists between mid-2011 and July 2013 uh, when they were banned yeah, afterwards Um, this was also confirmed by former U.S. ambassador to Tunisia, um, Jacob Wells, um, who claimed that the Troika government of 2012 and 2013 initially tolerated jihadist activities by allowing Ansar al-Sharia and other radical groups to organize in the open and send fighters to Syria. Yeah, basically, they were just uh, they were just giving too much freedom to this. Um, to these groups, you know, radical groups, to conduct their activities. So, um, again, during this period, there was um, an amnesty, general amnesty granted to prisoners. So, what happened was that there was a release of twenty of two thousand alleged political prisoners of the Ben Ali regime, and among them were. 350 individuals trained milita- militarily in foreign camps or, or with fighting experience in Afghanistan, Iraq or Algeria. Yeah, so this, this definitely led or contributed to the rise of um, radical Islam in Tunisia after the fall of the Ben Ali regime. Uh, again, this uh, this situation was aggravated by the new opportunities created for foreign fighters in Libya, because again during this time, um, you know, Libya the government in Libya basically collapsed. Yeah, there was no order there. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Again, because of that, um, Libya you know became a major training camp for Tunisian jihadists yeah and you know 
according to all returnees uh, which were interviewed they either trained in Libya or used Libya as a tr transit country towards Syria yeah. so that's another interesting fact um, of um, how I guess Libya contributed also to the rise of um, radical Islam in the region okay that's I guess that's where I stop for part one bye <laughs>